Hey, it's Bill Simmons. I have some good news for you. The hottest take. It's back. Oh, yeah. Monday through Thursday, four times a week, you hear from me, Chris Ryan, Sean Fantasy, Mallory Rubin, Wazdeen Lambrey, Van Lathan, Julie Lippman, many other ringer staffers. You get one take, you got to defend it to the death. Sports takes, pop culture takes, food takes, airplane takes. Oh, yeah. It's coming back. First episode drops August 29th. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast. I'm Moose Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? I'm right, thanks man. How are you? I am very well, indeed. Wonderful view, a big park. It's all good, good times, yeah. I saw you yesterday. <laughs> you looked very well then. Yes, you looked well, although somewhat stressed, I think it's fair to say. Uh, hated every minute of it, actually. You did not like you're having a good time. No, I wasn't having a great time. For those who wonder what we're talking about, Moose and I were at Anfield on Sunday we were. to watch Arsenal. Um, but we were kind of in some seats that were mainly Liverpool fans, so I had to be on my best behaviour. Yes. I was, I was, I thought I... As, as, as did I, quite frankly. I think if, if anything, people would have suspected you were the Arsenal fan more than I was because every time Arsenal played some good stuff, because you were so neutral and you, your mind was so free, you were just like, oh, what a ball. And everyone's around you just like, sure, mate, what are you talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, actually. That's true. That was quite, that was true. But um, we'll talk about that today. That'll be the bulk of the show, I think, because uh, yes. what a game. Yeah. We'll talk about some of the games. We'll do a quick roundup before we go into that. But uh, some admin very quick. No Righty's House mm. on Tuesday. Um, there'll be a show going up on Friday that will be recorded on Tuesday, a bit of a special show around the, the pitch opening that he's been doing at his old school and stuff. And um, don't forget to check Flo and the Gang on Counter Pressed. And um, yeah, the rest of that is normal, I think. Normal, normal stuff. But today we're going to do a really, really, really we're going to do a really, really quick roundup because uh, Musa has got to go and catch another train. <laughs> I do indeed. I do indeed. And then we're going to do the Arsenal Liverpool, uh, the Liverpool Arsenal game, and some Premier League stuff because we've got yes. seven, we had another VAR apology, Musa. We did indeed. Uh, so let's get into it after this. Let's do it. Right, man. First game I just want to shout out was the Old Firm derby. Yes. Celtic 3, Rangers 2. Another dramatic Old Firm derby. A, a strange one as well because the clubs had agreed that there were no way fans would attend the fixture. Mm. So when James Tavernier scored the first of his two goals, which was an unbelievable free kick, it was really weird because it just like hit the bar, flew in. Yeah. And there was like no noise. I mean, maybe they were just in awe at his incredible goal scoring record. Maybe. Possible. But yeah, hell of a free kick, actually. Absolutely banger. It was genuinely amazing. Yeah. Especially a game like that. Yep, yep. Yeah. Yeah, that was to level the game just before half time. The first one from Furiyashi put um, Celtic ahead and the second one was great as well to put them 2-1 ahead. And then um, Jota got the, the what turned out to be the key crunch winner for Rangers before James Tavernier got another goal back. But um, another thrilling old firm derby. Yeah. They never disappoint, really, no matter how much of a gap there are between the sides. Speaking of the gap, Celtic are now 12 points clear at the top. Stelling stuff. To La Liga? Oh, yes. Yes. With Real Madrid. Got to start with Real Madrid and Villarreal. Yeah, Real Madrid losing 3-2 at home to Villarreal. Two bangers from Samuel Chukrezi. Oh. Yeah. The first one was amazing. He danced through the Real Madrid box. Put Nacho in a spin cycle. Poor Nacho. I suppose the only, the only consolation with the brilliance of the first goal would be um, that's, that's not as bad as it could get. Unfortunately for Nacho, it got even worse. 
that was a sensational winner. It's the first goal from outside the box, like in some ridiculous period of time against Real Madrid, some wild stat. Um, and you have to have confidence to go for it against Courtois anyway, frankly. Yeah. They had another one early on though, didn't they? That was, um, Courtois went walking. I can't remember who it was, but took their time. Mm. Uh, that was the warning. That was a warning shot. Yeah, and actually. had a shot from way out as Courtois was scrambling back, and it just went wide. But Chukwueze, um, actually, if you look at his actual, if you look at his kind of uh, his trophies, the goalkeepers he's got one past in a huge game. It's Courtois Neuer as well in the Champions League. He's got an impressive little resume there. He went on that absolute tear a couple of years ago, right? Yeah, yeah. But he just seemed to be there were some super sub <laughs> vibes as well. Real problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still young. Yeah, still was really young, but. Um, it was interesting because the last podcast we talked about the Classico, right? And we were saying how like we feel Barcelona are the best team in La Liga, but mm. maybe not necessarily the best team in Spain overall. Yeah. And well, if we weren't backed up with that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, Real, yeah. Their, their league form is really, really curious. I know the, the Champions League's back and maybe they've got one eye on that. I don't know, Villarreal scoring three at the Bernabeu is... It's a big look. It makes me worry a bit for Chelsea all the same though, just because Real when he pushes them into a corner in the league, they often ball out in the Champions League. Mm. Uh, but having said that, not to be negative, Villarreal have, cho- have shown them parts and places that Chelsea can exploit quite usefully. There is space in and around Madrid, as, as Liverpool found, actually, to be honest, mm. in the last round. So, yeah, Chelsea fans, if they're looking for optimism, they can look at the uh, defence performance from Real and think, we could have a go at these. It looks like it might get a little bit worse because Alex Baena mm. from Villarreal filed a complaint with the police after he was allegedly assaulted by Freddy Valverde after Grim. the game. Grim. On the way to the bus, it's alleged that Valverde punched uh, Baena while he was looking at his phone making his way onto the bus. And the club released a statement saying, Real player Alex Baena was assaulted last night while on his way to the team bus after the match against Real Madrid at the Santiago Bernabeu Stadium. Faced with this situation, the players decided to file a complaint against the aggressor with the police. Once again, Villarreal rejects any acts of violence and firmly believes in the player's version of events and will support him throughout the process. Uh, Baena has denied reports, this is from a FOTMOB uh, piece, the FOTMOB summary of it. He's denied reports that he made crude personal remarks about Valverde before the alleged attack. Well, feels like more is to come out. On that front, but that yeah, is, that's grim. Weird, yeah. weird, weird weekend for alleged sporting punchings. Yes, it is, isn't it? Well, it wasn't alleged because it was literally on camera. Yeah, we on all the saw, live we broadcast all saw that. Yeah, that definitely the, happened. Yeah, in the NBA. Yes, it's in the Timberwolves' most important matchup of the season. But anyway, Real Madrid, twelve points behind Barcelona now. Barcelona, we're recording this ahead of their game against Girona tonight. Yeah, yeah, tonight. So a win will put Barcelona fifty. 15 points clear and that will probably be the league done and dusted. Uh, Valencia, meanwhile, lost to Almeria and it looks like Valencia are going to go down. They're not looking great. They're on a poor run of form. They are two points off safety and I fear for them. Huge club to be going down, but still. Quick shout for Athletic Club who beat uh, Espanyol 2-1 and then shouted out John Rahm for winning the Masters. Yes, he's a massive fan of this. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he did it on Sevi's birthday. He did. Didn't do- Amazing, That's incredible. Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Aw. Very and a very athletic club style victory as well. Yes, <laughs> coming back in the rain, bringing you know, pulling himself ahead of of Kupka. Yeah, Kupka like very impressive. So yeah, uh, Serie A, your boys are back on form. They are well. They they needed that win against Lecce. You got a two one. Um, they needed it because uh, Lazio beat Juventus two one. Oh, I say they needed. I mean they're like the light years ahead in the league, but they needed it in terms of preparation for the game against the tie against Milan in the Champions League. And now that Milan have centred weakness, it was important for Napoli to get those points back. So they've done that and they can move on with a measure of, a measure of comfort. Uh, I thought Lazio were a little bit lucky because uh, Milinkovic-Savic absolutely pushed Alexandro for that first goal. And for some reason, it just wasn't looked at. Uh, Rangers had a really similar goal disallowed, actually, in uh, the Old Firm derby. Uh, Alexandro goes up to head it and Milinkovic-Savic just nudges him in the back. And he... I think he does make a little bit of a meal of it, Sandro, but still. There are, was... a few, there are a few decisions this weekend in big games that didn't get reviewed sufficiently. That's fair. Dude, the more this season goes on, the more I feel like, I don't know Paul, Musa. 
They're just going to replace, you know what they're going to do? They're going to replace VAR with AI. They're going to, well, they're going to replace the actual... Oh, I thought you were going to talk about how, who they're going to replace we, me with next season. Oh, that will be revealed. No, no. They're just <laughs> insert random straight white guy podcaster. Oh my, don't, don't, don't do that to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> do not do that to yourself. Um, yeah, there was a kind of theme this weekend, slightly depressingly, of pivotal games. Well, they're all pivotal at this stage of the season. Coming down to the decisions that really should have been looked at in greater detail. Mm. Yeah, but Lazio, that's another big win for them. They've uh, obviously beaten Napoli away um, just a few weeks ago, so they're putting together a nice run of form, actually. Three straight wins for Lazio. And they're second, 16 points points behind Napoli. Uh, Roma beat uh, Torino 1-0 to go third after Milan drew to Empoli. And... Inter also drew away at Salernitana. Yeah, I mean that's Roma in third is. I'm not wild. gonna lie, like a few a couple of months ago that 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 would have surprised me if someone said we're going into April and Roma are gonna be third. Yeah. But it just shows you that rope, ropey form that Milan and Inter have had has really started to bite now. It has, yeah. You know, three straight defeats and then a draw for Inter. Uh, they drew against Salernitana at home on the weekend. Which is just not it's not Champions League form. And Milan is so streaky as well. Very streaky. Um, Bundesliga. A load of Gladbach ultras through Easter eggs onto the pitch to protest against kickoff times for TV dressed as Easter bunnies on Easter Sunday because of course they did. <laughs> Why not? It's just it another day. Just terrifying. Uh, I suppose the biggest result of the weekend was probably Dortmund beating Union 2-1. Yeah, it was a good result for Dortmund that because they went yeah. a goal ahead. Daniel Marlin, who's been in good form actually, Daniel Marlin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not yeah, necessarily the, the best scoring form start the season, but it was still was still impressive. Yeah, yeah. Still impressive. Yeah, he's been playing a lot better. Yeah. Union getting back into it with Kevin Behrens uh, after about an hour. And nice you, finish, yeah. Yeah, and then that could have been a, a real blow for Dortmund mentally. Especially at home. Especially at home yeah. to come over the draw with what they're chasing. Yeah. Um, but then Yusufa Mukoku got the winner. Dortmund. Really lovely movement through the middle and uh, mm. round the keeper, old school finish with uh, 10, 11 minutes to go. I mean, he's, you know, he's always got, he very often has a big goal in him. Um, You're just having bat fit. And yeah. Having someone like that to bring off the bench, we talked about this in the Chelsea Champions League game and even in the Classica really. Dortmund have been a little bit unlucky with injuries to key players who can be really decisive for him and you're seeing that, you know, he comes off the bench with 25 minutes left and then gets a goal. Gets the sure, winner. Yeah. He's done that a lot for Dortmund. Bayern, for Bayern it took an absolute worldie, uh, an absolute tour from Matthias De Ligt to get past Freiburg, who obviously knocked him out of the cup midweek. Yeah. Hard to say that Bayern didn't deserve this though. Mm. They, uh, they absolutely dominated the game. Uh, 67% possession, 3.55 expected goals, 22 shots, 8 big chances. Wild, yeah. But Delict's goal, top corner from way downtown. He was a really nice signing for them, wasn't he? Dude, he's looking really, really good. He's looking happy. He's looking fit. He looks like he's got his confidence back. Really happy for him. And such a buy-in signing. Yeah, it's a shame he didn't go there straight in the first place, isn't it? Yeah, it is actually, because I feel like he would have been great under Hansi Flick. To be honest, all three of them would have been. Yeah. Actually, yeah. if we're being real. So it's as you were at the top of the Bundesliga. Yes. Union stay third despite losing... Dortmund and uh, uh, Leipzig overtook Freiburg to go fourth uh, Leipzig beating Hatta in Berlin 1-0 we swerve Liga for this week but any other football? Uh, just a quick shout to Burnley who secured promotion uh, to the Premier they League did. on Friday with a 2-1 win at Middlesbrough shout out to them they put some great football together this year gorgeous to watch um, I'd like to watch more of them but what I've seen has been delightful so congratulations to there's a company and the gang uh, sitting promotion with seven games still to play, which is extremely impressive. And looking forward to seeing them up in the Premier League next year. Do you know what I really love about uh, Vincent Company? It was just how he keeps just not buying the hype that other people yeah, yeah. are giving him. Unassuming. Or not, not necessarily buying it, but, but, but pushing back on it. Like when, when he asked Pep to stop linking him to the City job. <laughs> I thought that was such a flex. Mischievous. Actually. Yeah, it's great. That's great. It's important. It's noise you don't need. It's like, you know, you saw it with Gerard and, you know, Gerard managed his managerial career, I think, so well in terms of perception to a certain yeah. point. He managed it so well. 
Ranger's job was a great choice. We know Villa didn't work, but I think move. Gerald was pretty, yeah, it was a good move. I think Gerald was pretty good at damping down expectation. I think maybe company's even better. So yeah, um, yeah good to see. Expro's just doing the work. Doing the work. Yeah. I love to see people doing the work. Absolutely. Uh, we've got a lot of work to do after the break. We do. Goodness me. All right, man, to Anfield. Let's do it. Um, Liverpool 2, Arsenal 2. What a game for the neutral. Yes, it was. This was an outstanding, outstanding fixture. Everything about it, going into it, obviously we got the, um, got a ride up there and just arriving there, first of all, first shout out to Liverpool and, and Arsenal fans for the incredible minute of silence um, for Hillsborough, for those who, those 97 souls who, who departed um, due to the Hillsborough tragedy. Uh, that was incredible, really. You were saying about, that, you know, this was a silence, one of the deeper silence you've heard, to the point where in Anfield, it was like almost no one was even moving no. during that silence, which was really, really um, extraordinary. And then we come to the game itself and Arsenal for the first 40 minutes, bar a couple of chances uh, conceded, were as impressive as I've seen a side at Anfield in a while. Really in terms of the match control, the patience, Odegaard just popping in, knocking the ball back um, to the keeper, like very patient build up. Saka just pulling really, really wide, holding his position, very patient, only touching the ball about three or four times, it seemed, in the first 15 minutes, but each time being devastating. Gabriel Jesus pushing out wide, and Martinelli, I just have to, I can't say this enough, I'd be fascinated to see what percentage of his decisive actions come in the first, like, 15, 20 minutes. He must be one of the best starters in the Premier League. Um, obviously, the game ending 2-2, and it felt like it was a game of three distinct phases. Mm-hmm up till 40 minutes and then 40 minutes to about 75 and then 75 to the finish. That makes sense. But yeah, what's your take on all of it? That's my sort of headline, but um, there's much more to say, but what was your take on it as an Arsenal fan as opposed to neutral? I actually thought it was pretty balanced the opening 10 minutes and um, Liverpool had quite, quite a tidy amount of possession. Mm. And they created one chance maybe uh, early on. Klopp said after the game, pretty open game. Uh, the side mm. that was confident got a chance and took it. Pretty open game. The side that got another chance and was confident took it. And I think mm. that's quite that's kind of fair. But it felt like there was a there was a nervousness around Anfield that you could sense whenever Arsenal created chances, because and we were talking about this in, on the, on the way back down to London um, after the game, and we were saying that I felt slightly, and this isn't a disrespect to Liverpool because Liverpool in the second half in particular, were miles better than they were in the first half. Yes. But it, I think the the slight lack of intensity from Liverpool seemed to spook Arsenal a little bit. And I think Arsenal didn't maximise on their... They didn't maximise their tempo and they didn't maximise how easy they could cut through Liverpool in the first half. That's interesting. Um, There was a Gabriel Jesus chance that he missed at the back post before he got the second. Yes. But... Saka always had joy down that right-hand side against Andrew and Andy Robertson. Martinelli had a lot of joy down the left. And Arsenal, when they got on the ball and they were playing their football, they looked really, really good. Mm. But Liverpool did have a couple of chances as well. Um, Robertson were, himself, yeah, one narrowly Robertson wide. Robertson had that, that one. Excellent yeah. chance. Uh, Jota had another one in the first half. Salah had a great one. He could have gone with the right Salah foot. Should have yeah, gone with the right foot. Should have gone yep. with the right foot. Went wide. Yeah. Um, it was it was such it was so surprising actually that I was convinced Ramsdale had saved it, yeah, and it he hadn't just hit it wide. But then obviously the turning point comes. Arsenal two and up and cruising. I think actually, yeah. Um, they oh Henderson had that one chance as well. But that, that seemed that was after Liverpool got a goal back a goal yeah. back. But it really felt like <laughs> I don't know. I looked at you and I was I, and I was just saying like they need a third, which yes. sounds like. Football analysis, basic level, but I just sensed that if Liverpool got a goal back, Arsenal was not used to being in that position at Anfield, and I just really feared that it would be 
it would be too much. Mm. There's a lot of focus on the jacker thing, right? And I find it interesting because I've seen people push back on how it rolled the crowd up and used like a TV, like a clip of the footage. But being in the stadium, I can absolutely say the atmosphere changed. It did. It's almost like that moment, the fans took that moment to remind themselves and the players what Anfield was and where they actually were. Because for a large stretch of the first 40 minutes, Arsenal fans were louder. They were louder than the Liverpool fans. It was extreme. Like, uh, yeah. Well, when when were, the second goal went in, it, it was extremely like quiet at Anfield. Which Arsenal I think fans is, were belting it yeah. out. Belting yeah. it out. And, you know, that moment happens. And there's a moment when, you know, Chaka not so squares off, so squares up to Trent. And there's this funny moment where he starts, the conversation begins, and he almost goes in again. And then they go nose to nose. And that is. They were almost looking for something, Liverpool fans and Liverpool players, to kind of ignite it. And I say well, this because... Yeah, go on. I say this, this is not a criticism. I say it because you saw Robertson's body language, right? Mm. Robertson against Saka. He was really Saka was kind of posting him up. And the, after the second mm. goal, Robertson was frustrated before the second goal. But when the second goal happens, I think he shoves Saka twice, smacks the ball into the advertising hoardings. And it's almost like he's trying to like, you know, get himself into it. You know, like you see people trying to set themselves up for games. Mm. And it's almost like he was... God's sake, get into this, get into this match. And that was the, that was just the moment. It could have been any moment, right? It's like Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan would look for grievances when he was trying to play big, you know, big teams, but they found their grievance. And the sad thing about that whole moment was it was, a, it was an individual failure on Shaka's part, followed by a collective one. Mm. So the moment that happens, you see Gabriel Jesus just running in because he knows, he's like, this needs to, He's the fireman running to the scene. We need to put this out. But the moment that happens and it's flared up, crucially what Arsenal don't then do is regulate the game again, Mm. right? When one player basically flies off the handle and has a certain moment, you then have to say, okay, for the next two minutes, it's all about match control. And Arsenal collectively failed to achieve that. And football Mm. is all about, it's a team sport. It's all about how teams respond to individual lapses. And that next crucial, like 90 seconds, two minutes, Liverpool just, they feasted on it. And that, I yeah, think, was I, a turning point. I think there's an interesting thing here, though, in that everyone's going after Xhaka for causing this, but I think Trent does really well. I think Trent realises the opportunity that's there. Mm-hmm. And actually, if Trent doesn't react to Xhaka, that thing dies down after two or three seconds, actually. And if the game carries on, mm. there are a few, because if you look, there are a few people who are kind of, get up and start shouting at Jacker's attempt to, to like nudge Trent. He kind of puts an arm out, doesn't he? Mm. But it's Trent's reaction that really gets everyone going. Yeah. And if the game doesn't stop and the referee doesn't get involved and all the team, all the players don't come over, I think, I think, I think it's as it was actually, it's just a tiny little flare up in a, in a, in the first half. I think that's right. A lot of people criticizing Xhaka for, for doing it. I get that. I would give Trent a lot of credit here because I think Trent realises that this is an opportunity to get everyone going. I'd be interested to actually know if anyone here knows Trent, can you just fire him a quick message and say, Trent, hey, listen, did you kind of take <laughs> a yellow here because you knew that it was going to raise the atmosphere? Because there was a lot of like Liverpool players throughout the entire game were really trying to get the, the Anfield crowd going. There was a lot of like throwing arms up being like, make some noise kind of thing. for a lot, And it happened in the first half as well, I think. Well, we have to mention the context of Arsenal time-wasting. We have to mention that as well because yeah. there was a point where... They were slowing you know, it right down. Each time, each time Liverpool got a major chance, so the first two major chances, the Robertson and the Salah, both times Arsenal just killed the tempo of time-wasting. Yeah. And that then, it just stopped all momentum. They came over for a drinks break and everything was slow. And that frustration just started ripping around the stadium. You could hear, like, obviously fans behind us just getting up in arms about it. And, you know, what really it strikes about the Chaka incident, the Chaka yellow, and this is a credit to how finely balanced the game was, all the, just the smallest margins. You know, in, in the majority of games, a yellow card in a not particularly dangerous position for the defenders, it's just a yellow card. But this is the thing. This was the nature of the margins. You saw the only time Saka left his wing in the first 20 minutes, Robertson had the chance. Mm. It's the only mistake. It's the only positional mistake I think Saka makes in the entire match and Robertson was on it. Gabriel was exceptional against Salah, covering him one-on-one. They didn't double-team or nothing like double-triple-team. One-on-one, Gabriel against Salah, the outstanding game. And the one time Gabriel lets him get a stop on him, he's in. 
And he could have scored. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, you know, Salah skins Gabriel. Whereas he was exceptional in that match. You know, we were looking at Rob Holding. Rob Holding played one, I think one loose pass. And we looked at him and we were like, my goodness, that's a loose pass. But the only reason we focus on it so much is because a single loose pass in a game of that magnitude costs you dearly. And it wasn't even the worst piece of distribution. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to and be Alison, fair, how, like, how many times has Allison almost closed down? Yeah, yeah. Right? Almost closed down. Yeah, yeah. I was saying it was such a strange game to analyse because you could, anyone of like Arsenal winning the game, Arsenal losing the game or a draw, any of those results, you could argue from a certain point of view that would be justified. Yes. Depending, yes, on, your, depending on your personal preference or bias or whatever. Mm. I feel like, you know, Arsenal could have won the game at the end. Oh my goodness. Absolutely. With that through ball from uh, Martinelli, Martinelli to Saka, which didn't really hit that work. with his left foot instead of his right foot, then Liverpool, different story. literally missed a penalty. Ramsdale makes an unbelievable save from Salah's deflected shot. And then the one from Canate. And then the one from Canate. If Canate heads that, that's 3-2 Liverpool. Darwin Nunez misses a one-on-one chance, a clear one-on-one. Exactly. A really tough game to actually fully argue who deserved to win the most. I feel overall, Liverpool edged it in the second half in particular. I feel that's right. Yeah. The penalty opportunity... Although that would have only been an equaliser for them and you never know how that would have changed the game. But then how early it was it came in the second half, really. Exactly. Right. Yeah. I think this is a real positive for Liverpool in a sense that this is an Arsenal side who, put it this way, when both sides were playing their football, you could see that Arsenal were the side who were in better form and yes. having a better season. Liverpool, right. you could see the quality of the Liverpool players, but they just didn't have that fluidity that Liverpool teams in the past have had. No, A Liverpool team of last season, the season before, even the season before that, even the season, yeah, the season after they won the league where they struggled, that team kills this Arsenal team in a game like that. Because if Arsenal, as, as good as this Arsenal team are, when they took their foot off the pedal, Liverpool didn't hurt them quite as badly as Liverpool teams in the past have. But that's, mm. that's understandable in the season that, uh, that they're having. From an Arsenal point of view, I think Mikel Arteta took too long to make a change. Yeah. And I feel like the change that he did make, when, well, the changes he made when they happened sent out an interesting message psychologically on the players. So we were talking about who we would change because obviously Shaka had that yellow early on. Ben White had the yellow early on, but I think Ben White did really well for the rest of the game, actually. I thought he played I really, he was really, really well. I thought it was brilliant. Um, I thought Gabriel was great on, on Salah. We were saying that even though Xhaka was playing okay, maybe taking him off and moving Sinchenko into midfield. So basically taking Shaka off for Tierney was our was the change that I suggested to you and yes, then moving yes, Sinchenko yes. into midfield because I was like, Sinchenko's always in there anyway and I just feel like Tierney is a better defender one-on-one and that's going to be the side that it comes from. And what behold. side did it come from? Absolutely. Um, and we also said that we'd probably switch Martinelli for Trossard, play Trossard right. wide, keep Gabriel Jesus central and Saka on the, on, on the right. And I feel like if you did that like for like and kept the same shape, Roughly, because I know it's a slight difference in shape when you move Sinchenko into midfield positionally yeah, and have Tierney at left he back. He looked really good when he came on, actually. Tierney, yeah, and he had a really good opportunity to score, actually, as well. He had that yeah, yeah, one yeah. drive. Mm. But I feel like that would have sent a message of being like, okay, let's win this game. And then after the equaliser, switching it so it went to essentially like a three or a five at the back, depending on whether it had the ball or not. Like a 3-4-3 three, three it was, essentially. It's an Just, invitation. Yeah, and it's also not a system that I've seen Arsenal play a lot this season. And when you're doing it in a big game like that, when you've just conceded an equaliser, it switches to hanging on as opposed to going and winning the game again. And But yeah. then, like I've said before, at the same time, Arsenal could have could have won the game at the end. Right, absolutely. And we could be sat, sat here. I think it was a really... Yeah, I think it's a really difficult game to fully analyse from a you know, like a tactic decision-making kind of, mm. because both teams could have come away with the points, like all the points and both teams could have come away with none. So one is even, it's fair. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a point to Anfield, which is nothing to sniff at. And look, there's talk about Arsenal having to go and get, get something Etihad and against Newcastle, but which are, man- which are manageable, which are manageable. And if we consider that prior to the game, a lot of people could not have imagined Arsenal going out to a two-nil lead and having that performance in the first mm. half in particular that's that impressive. So there's, an ex- there's, a, there's a sense in which they did exceed expectations, I think, um, in this game, and that, that could only be a positive. And I have to say as well, Ramsdale, just... Unbelievable. <sighs> it's extraordinary to see what he did under that pressure. He's amazing. The save, the save from Salah, the deflection, 
going into the top corner that he tips wide and then to follow up with a save from Canate. Criticism of Canate, but when he's arriving at that ball, because Nunez just heads it down so sharply, he's just trying to get his body on it. And to be honest, most goalkeepers concede it. This yeah. is the thing. Most goalkeepers concede what Canate, because he still gets a very good contact on it. And for Ramsdale to claw that away, like I can't believe it stayed out. Certainly the Liverpool fan next to me couldn't believe it stayed out. Um, and I, you know, Arteta talked about it as a magic, you know, moments of magic and a point saved. And I think it needs to be viewed in that context, actually. You know, Liverpool aren't going to win the league this year, but they like the idea of being kingmakers mm. and they like the idea of spoiling uh, an ascent and they gave it their best and Arsenal withstood them. And that, that has to receive credit. I think as well, it's very easy to get caught away with, you know, in the narrative of Arsenal chokers, bottlers, but you look at the performance they put in just last year at Anfield. And you, you have to look, you have to look at your own progress, I think, as a club and as a team. And it's easy to get caught up in narratives and points lost, but fundamentally, they can get the journey back down south thinking, okay, a, 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 a win would have been better, but we showed, we showed something of ourselves today. There's a lot we can take this positive. Yeah. Arsenal's, League running is a little bit tricky compared to cities, mm. but also City are going to have to play a minimum of four extra games mm. than Arsenal. Four more games than Arsenal. If, if, they, if they progress through the next round of the Champions League, it's five more games, uh, sorry, six more games minimum than Arsenal. Yeah. So that's a lot of football when you're in a league season with what, eight games to go? Mm. Yeah, it's a lot. It's not like their wins are guaranteed either, City. But yeah, I think that's enough on Arsenal. And also from Liverpool, I think this was a really good point just from morale. Because yep. Klopp can be like, listen, this is the team that has played a lot of people off the park this season and you you should have won the game. Absolutely. Yeah. So one of those kind of like, and it, you know, Easter eggs for everyone. Yes. Just another th- quick thing on this before we go. That weird incident at halftime where the uh, referee's assistant kind of... Well, actually, so actually how it clocks, how it starts is, so at halftime, a bunch of people run over to uh, the ref. And Addy Robertson, sort of chief among the pack, and he's sort of he's sort of motioning as if a referee's assistant has made has thrown an elbow at him, yeah. and you're like, that's wild. So we go and like you know we go in in at halftime, and I mean look again at the replay, and there it is. There's some kind of conversation between the two. It's quite animated, and then we see well footage of what appears to be the match official raising. Oh look, that's what I saw raising the elbow in the direction of Robertson's face, and I'm like, that's wild. Like. I've never seen that before, actually. Um, certainly not at this level. And, you know, Robertson absolutely justified to be frustrated, upset, angry about it. And, there's, and I mention this only because there was a lot of focus on Liverpool's reaction to the refs. Mm. But I think it's important to state the context of why, of why that happened. The PGMOL said they're going to investigate it in full. Yeah, yeah. It was not, it was, I mean, it was not a good look. All I'm saying is a good look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. but yeah, well, yeah, keep an eye on that. Yeah, absolutely. Right, other Premier League. Let's do Sunday quick. Um, yes. Because you mentioned Palace there. Mm. Rowdy Roy Hodgson's high flying eagles or high scoring eagles, we should say. Unbelievable. So they they so they beat Leeds five one and were one 0 down, having a one 0 down. And the wild thing about this was there was a stat I found. I think ESPN FC shout out to them for putting it together. Thirty four dribbles completed by Crystal Palace, which is the highest number of dribbles since they started recording that stat in the Premier League. It is incredible that he's unleashed those playmakers in that fashion. It really is remarkable, actually. Uh, Palace have scored seven of their 29 Premier League goals in the last two games. Hodgeball. Hodgeball. Listen, it's big. I appreciate the match today commentary that's saying it must be cold in Leeds because Ray Lewington isn't wearing shorts. <laughs> um, anyway, can we talk about Patrick Bamford's goal first? Because I thought this header was absolutely unbelievable and it looked yeah. so good on TV. Marco Van Bamford. Marco Van Bamford. Mark- <laughs> I was going to say Marco Bambastard. <laughs> that sounds like a Dutch techno DJ. <laughs> it's a great name, actually. But alas, it was one of those famous Okwonga... Um, the goal that held the, the thrashing. The goal before the thrashing. <laughs> uh, Palace were just mega. They just they looked like they were just playing free. Playing with freedom, yeah, absolutely. Which doesn't look great on Patrick Vieira. You said in the post-match interview, didn't you? you said like, are you and Lisa were looking, Lisa were looking guilty. They were looking <laughs> like <laughs> the two cool kids 
they were notoriously just like couldn't give a shit at class, but they've been pulled up to the front of the class because they both got the highest grades in the test. <laughs> so, and they're almost so, like embarrassed to be there because they're just like, oh, this isn't cool. <laughs> they look so naughty. They did, didn't they? They were just like, oh, yeah, yeah, we're scoring goals. We're actually quite good, aren't we? Really, really good. Like thrilling, actually. Really fun. Yeah. I wonder whether this is a similar thing that we talked about with the Lampard thing. Although, because Lampard, I feel like it's the kind of figure like Vieira, maybe it doesn't really work that way. But in the sense of, I think he's bringing a similar thing is that maybe just freeing them up a little bit. I think maybe That's interesting. the pressure of play, the pressure of a lot of those players who grew up watching Patrick Vieira to play under Patrick Vieira, I think must be tough. But maybe we're not giving Hodgson enough credit for the tactical chops as well. Yeah. Just really embracing the fluidity of what they're doing and just say, look, just make yourselves unmarkable, basically keep you know constant movement constant movement because look a lot of the things Vieira did I really liked actually I'm not going to lie I actually yes, was so. really impressed by the technical stuff and when he got and he got he really got a tune out of Elisa um, who is one of my favourite young players in the Premier League well favourite players frankly but just watching him in this game especially with certain strikers forwards who you'd seen written off like Ayu for example it made you just think my god like what more could they have been capable of playing like this actually because you think of those close games they lost against top teams where the problem is basically just firepower. It wasn't like any, any lack of quality in going toe-to-toe. Yeah, it's a bit of a what-if, isn't it, watching this? Yeah, and definitely. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, Palace are up to 12th. Now 33.6 above the drop zone. And when, you've got, when, when you're scoring like that, you're going to be fine. You're yeah, going to be fine. totally. And creating like that, yeah. yeah. Uh, quick shout for Villa. Um, Villa, win. Check. Goal for Bertrand Traore, check. We're watching you, Villa. We're watching you. Goal for Ollie Watkins, check. Okay, no notes. Everything seems in order. Stamp the Villa passport. You could move on. Yeah, the Europa League. Listen, <laughs> we're watching you. Villa, <laughs> Villa fans are telling, keep telling us to stop talking about Villa and look elsewhere. Um, <laughs> they've won four straight games in the Premier League. They're so sixth. They are... I'm going to go Chopper there. The, I'm going to go there. I'm going to go the there. Yeah. Yeah. The nine points off Champions League. <laughs> They're going to come for you. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. <laughs> They're making themselves newsworthy. Listen. Unai is moving. It's moving wild. I love to see it. I mean, I think Unai Emery is in a shout for Stadio Coach of the Year. I the think he stadios. is. You know, I don't love to see some of those decisions at Brighton. Oh, well, I mean, they were at Spurs. Yeah, at Spurs, but for Brighton, yeah. At Brighton with a sort of the internet at, not the location at. We need to talk about this because it's another VAR apology. Mm. Varmageddon. Varmageddon at Spurs. Varsicle. Yes, Varsicle. Oh my goodness. So there was a, um, what was the toll here? What was the full sort of body count? So Matoma with a goal disallowed for handball. Didn't think it was a handball. Didn't think it was a goal. I didn't think it was a handball, sorry. Um, but I can, I, I thought Alan Shearer actually covered this really quite well on Match Today because I think he gave credit to the officials and leeway where he felt, I can't absolutely condemn this, but where he felt, you know, some of those, the penalty shouts. Yeah, wow. Yeah. I mean, goodness. Well, so we had two Brighton goals disallowed that could have arguably not been. Yeah. And two penalties that weren't awarded that absolutely should have been. Deserbi getting sent off along with Stellini has yeah but them to have beef pre-game Deserbi I think took offence to something Stellini said pre-game and was just like listen it was like, in the mix fucking Deserbi was like the guy that kept rocking up for the heat heist and it's like we've told you Roberto we're, we're good for numbers and he's just like no seriously <laughs> like fucking- I, want, I want more <laughs> put me on captain put me on <laughs> Put me on, Captain. <laughs> me, me. Um, he was, he, he, he was, he was up for it. Let's say he wanted he the was. smoke. He wanted all the smoke. Deserve it. There was a lot of smoke, though. To be fair, there was there a lot was of smoke. This was a really important game for Brighton, and they played superbly, and came away with nothing to the extent that they got an apology afterwards. But what? But <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry to be that guy. But what fucking use is that? Just use the technology. If the technology right. is not being used in the correct way, then we might as well just not bother. And I hate having this other, like, another VAR decision. But I've mm. got to the point now, I thought VAR was great when it came in. I thought it was a really sensible idea. Now it's got to the point where it's like, it's kind of like the football equivalent of 
the internet. You know that you have access to literally all of the information of all time and all you're doing is trolling at people and looking at cat gifs. I was actually going to compare it to British rail infrastructure, to be honest. Right, because, nerd. you know, well, listen, if we're going to go there, if we're going to go there, really, like, you think, well, this should actually work perfectly and wonderfully and take over everywhere, but actually it's more expensive to get a train ticket to Manchester at the last minute than it is to get, like, a flight halfway across Europe. You know, like, someone's like, I'm going to get into music production and just buy everything. Yeah. It's like all the gear, no idea. That is basically what VAR is. Oh my God, that's perfect. All the gear, no idea. They apologised to Brighton actually um, earlier this season for like, was it was it this season I think, for failing to draw the right lines on the VAR and that's what they got a decision wrong. I mean, yeah, just... Against Palace. I mean, come on. Yeah. Because of course, of course, the fear is, the fear is that as a club like Brighton, you're thinking, does that happen to Manchester United? Do Manchester United get board decisions like that? that are, and you know what, actually... It's hard not to think that those things feed into some of the thinking because there's more people that would kick up a fuss if it happens to a huge club than if it happens to Brighton. Not that Brighton aren't you know, a big club, but they're not like huge international, you know, you know what I'm saying? Mm. And that is a frustration, I think. And well, we've seen bad VR decisions. I mean, Liverpool arguably could have had a penalty. Yeah, um, actually, I think... For Mo Salah, yeah, we, yeah. We're, getting, we're getting into it. Yeah. Arguably failing Mo Salah and Liverpool in one of the biggest games of the season. So yeah, there are questions there and they have to sit and have a think because but no one likes really complain well, some people do, but most people don't like complaining about officiating. They no, really it's, don't. It's really quite boring to do. Yeah, 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 it's boring. I mean, it's boring me talking about it. Yeah, it's but, boring um, me now. Yeah. And also I'm thinking I'm talking I'm thinking I'm genuinely thinking about switching off my own podcast that hasn't even finished yet. <laughs> also it's costing it's costing a team like Brighton, who've maximized their resources and who are a model for how you maximize your resources in a league with such huge um financial inequalities it's penalising them and what more can they do and they kept playing their football this is the thing to their credit despite these knockbacks they kept playing football kept creating and kept getting frustrated and this was just the game they were never going to win and that when a thing like that happens it's not just about apologies it's about an actual inquest about what the hell are we doing you know um, but I'm still pro VAR because I think anything that gets you better decisions is ultimately better but Apply ourselves better, for goodness sake. You've got the gear, get the idea. You know, we've, we've talked about this game for a little while. We've not mentioned Min Song's unbelievable goal. Oh my God, his 100th in the Premier League. Yeah, which is first an unbelievable Asian record. First Asian player. It's incredible he's got that many. First Asian player to score 100 in the Premier League. It's incredible. Um, yeah. Genuinely incredible. Outstanding, yeah. The fact that actually Brighton just played so well. They did. They played so well, and they yeah. deserve to win the game. I don't think anyone, I mean, it was a great, great win for Spurs because yeah. they really, really needed it. Yeah. But they've got away with that big time. They absolutely have. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. You're going to have to play games where you get away with them. They can get away with Champions League football, which, you know, it's looking unlikely. Man United and Newcastle and have uh, got games in hand. Mm. And both with impressive wins at the weekend. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Man United beating Everton 2-0. Scott McTominay goal machine. Yeah. Newcastle with a really good win against Brentford. That's a really good win for Newcastle. It is. And Isaac with a great finish. Punchy finish. Ivan Tony on a bit of a journey before I forget. A goal disallowed, I think. And then missed the penalty. A penalty saved, saved and then scoring a penalty. So yeah, he, he had a journey. Um, yeah. Newcastle go to Villa next week. I think that's a crunch game. Villa beat Newcastle. I don't know. I think that's, that's, the, I think that's one of the games to watch next that's week. That's a hell of a game that actually. Mm. In terms of their trajectory, their arc, both of them. Yeah. I mean, Brighton go to Chelsea, but I feel like the game of the weekend is going to be Newcastle Villa. Yeah, great shot. But yeah, hard luck for Brentford, but they're still doing, they're still doing fine. Yeah, they are. Uh, Man City beating Southampton 4-1 and were more than good value for it. Greenwich was excellent. Greenwich amazing, man. Yeah, yeah. Poland, 30 goals in Premier League. 30. 30 goals. You know what though? Premier League tax. Premier League tax. <laughs> the- he goes... Premier League tax. <laughs> he goes up for a head at the far post. Um, it actually doesn't go in at that moment, but I think in the first half, and it looks like he's about to dunk the ball. It looks like his, head is, <laughs> his head is higher than the actual crossbar at one point, just in terms of his dimensions. Um, yeah, dominant again from him. And City brushing aside Southampton. Yeah, looking yeah, dangerous. I know, I know there are eight games left, um, and there's only four points between Southampton and. Everton in 17th 
I got a feeling if they don't get anything from that Palace game next, that yeah. might be it. Southampton. I mean, it's not going to be over until it's over, obviously. Yeah, but I'm but still. Yeah. I, I'm just looking at the teams above them and the kind of form that they're all picking up. I mean, they're not all picking up wins, but the ones outside of the relegation zone. If you look at like their last five, yeah. they've all picked up a win or two, or even three in some cases with Bournemouth. I just can't really see where they would come from. Where the momentum's going to come from, yeah. yeah. After Palace, they go to Arsenal and then they host Bournemouth. So, and, the, and then they go to Nottingham Forest. So if you're looking at five points from those three games and you kind of chalk down the Arsenal and New, Newcastle's free hits and if you can get anything out of them, you can. I mean, remember, they drew Arsenal. They drew against yeah. Arsenal early on in the season at home. But yeah, they need to get, they need to get moving, otherwise it's going to be... You look at that league table and you look at that running and it doesn't look good for them. You're right, Ryan. Especially with some of their rivals in that role picking up decent points. You know, West Ham picking up decent points mm. at Fulham. So, yeah, it's looking ropey for them. I can't lie. Yeah. Uh, Bournemouth beating Leicester 1-0. Um, West Ham huge, beating... Huge, huge win for Bournemouth. Massive win for Bournemouth. Uh, West Ham, a huge win West, for West Ham as well. 1-0 at Fulham. Fulham having a bit yeah. of a wobble at the moment. Mm. Um. And I can't believe that this is the last mention in the Premier League. Wolves is 1-0 win over Chelsea. Thanks oh to my God, this goal. goal. Banger. From Mateus <laughs> Nunez. Was, wow. Absolutely crushed it. That was, that was a Marco Van Basten finish. That was. Um, and Chelsea just failing to get it going. Mm. Um, there's a great piece of analysis by uh, Daniel Sturridge talking about Chelsea's finishing and saying how if you look at like elite teams, their strikers have got like set finishes. Um, I think he mentioned sort of Harry Kane going low, hard across the keeper and saying that Chelsea at the moment in terms of their finishing, they just don't have that go-to finish. They don't have that signature goal or mm. that certainty in front of goal. And it was really costing them. And, and not, look, there's, there's other issues Chelsea have other than, than finishing, the structural problems, but no, a great thing to highlight. And some great punditry actually from Sturridge there. Yeah, I mean, speaking of Chelsea, they became the first Premier League club in history to reach a billion pounds in losses. After their latest financial my accounts, God, were made my God, a billion, Ryan. Yeah, there's also some financial, like, you know, kind of. I think there's a little bit of arguing going on that because of the sanctioning, they couldn't do this and they couldn't do that. But mm. yeah, not great. And they got Real Madrid this week. Champions League is back. Uh, how do you think they're going to fare? Do they go to Madrid this week? Honestly, mm. I don't. I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah. We, we don't know which Madrid's going to turn up, actually. We don't. We don't know which Chelsea's going to turn up. They could suddenly get super resilient. The fullbacks could ball out. The midfield could just clamp down and it, it goes off. We yeah. just don't know. Because we think about, look, what Liverpool did in the early minutes against Real Madrid in the first leg. They just gave them an absolute chasing. Do you know really yeah. interesting about that last day? Is that... A- anyone, anyone can get it. It kind of... Some, it's quite underwhelming in terms of league positions. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Inter, Milan, Chelsea, three of the last eight. Real Madrid, miles off the league. Napoli top, Man City second, Bayern, um, Benfica. They, that's, it's kind of wild, actually. Do you think that some makes, of, And that makes those teams more dangerous. Yeah. Very dangerous. Not, because un, what not underwhelming. I feel like the drop-off that they've, some yeah. of these teams have had since the draw. You know. No, you're right. No, it's a great shot. I think you're completely right. And that's, again, that's what makes it so uncertain, so chaotic, because really the motivation these players will come with is, okay, you know what? There's nothing else to play for this season. Look, obviously, like, I think interest in the Copa, um, oh, so the Copa Italia, um, Reos in the Copa del Rey. But in terms of the big trophies, the chances of those have kind of gone. Yeah. So now it's like, now it's like we've got to ball out. I really couldn't tell you what was going to happen in any of these situations. And I joked about Benfica maybe going through and taking the whole thing, but actually, frankly, why not? Why mm. not, actually? I mean, <laughs> you never know. Yeah, yeah. Why not? Yeah, yeah. I can't wait, basically. Whatever comes, I can't wait. Yeah. Anything else for today? No. I know we've kind of good. skipped through some of the Premier League stuff a little bit briefly, but like... I think that's fair. Given, look, Brian, given how big that Liverpool Arsenal game was, I think people understand that that is the kind of mm. central... And we were there. We were indeed. You know. Yeah. It was, it was great. Great to be at Anfield. That new stand they're building is yeah, yeah. going to look yeah. amazing as well. When they finish that, the, the, the extensions to the stadium is going to be unbelievable. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, we should probably run because you need to run for a train. I do indeed. I do but, indeed. Uh, we hope everyone's staying safe, staying well. And uh, don't forget, 
No Writer's House on Tuesday, but check Flo and the gang on Counterpressed. Writer's House will be back on Friday. Stadio will be back on Thursday. And we recorded a couple of um, kind of uh, pre-records for Writer's House to go up next week. Some fun stuff about uh, a, 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 a Writer's House 11 with you yes. and I. We did. Really enjoyed that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a themed 11 variety and also a, a really cool one about iconic sporting venue. Yeah. Which I really enjoyed. So that'll go up next week. Um, but yes, don't forget to check theringer.com. Check the Stanley Archers playlist on Spotify. Speaking of which, playing out on Untogether by the excerpts. Anything you would like to add, Musa Okwonga? No, nothing further. I'm good. Nothing further? Yes, nothing further. <laughs> All right, everyone. Much love. Have a great week. We'll be back with you on Thursday. See you then.